Oh, gosh, that's always funny. Thank you, John Burns, for putting that video together. Well, guys, um, I do have a quick observation. Um, we have a small staff here at West Bowles, and we have less than 10 full-time staff for this whole church. And it's small, as in height, too. So some could say, on multiple levels, we are short-staffed. Okay. Anyway, what's going on with the weather? I mean, gosh, snow this week after Mother's Day. Um, school is out for the summer. Here's a fake picture of my kids here enjoying their summer already. Um, but I can't believe it snowed this week. It's crazy. Well, hey, my name is Ryan Long, and I am the missions and care minister here at West Bowles Church. And yes, I still work here. <clears throat> I know some of you have been worried or maybe glad I haven't been here, but I was gone for a, a couple of weeks on, a, on our uh, annual family vacation. So quick story, Lane, um, one of my sons, he jumped on this like stone wall thingy like in this harbor and he fell back into the water. You can see it right here. And he's like, Dad, help, help. And, you know, and I had to rescue him and uh, everybody was watching. I pulled my... Sun out of the water, soaking wet, ruined his phone. Somebody gave him dry clothes, and he's still alive. So that's all great. Two hours later, Chelsea was taking a picture, as seen right here. She took this picture. Oh, it's so cute and nice. She slipped on this mossy step, took a photo, as seen right here. That was the next photo that was taken. And then she fell into the water. She threw out a few choice words. I had to grab her and save her too. She was bleeding a little bit, but she's also still alive. Anyway, so what are the chances that two of my family members would fall into the water same day? Anyway, it was funny. It was a great trip. And like I said, it, uh, I'm glad to be back. So as we continue our series, Doing Today a Different Way, I'm preaching this morning on the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, 3 through eight. The sermon is titled, Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. Now, before we get started, we have to realize that back then, it was an agricultural-based society, right? With, you know, like animals and farming and stuff like that. And that's a world that I don't know much about. Um, years ago, I spoke at a family camp in southern Colorado. What a disconnect. I mean, talk about a language and a cultural barrier. 41 years, I've lived, obviously, in the suburban uh, Denver town of Littleton. So I've only lived in Littleton, and these people were all from, like, rural agricultural towns, and it was hilarious. They would say something about a limousine, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, limousines. You can see this picture. I'm like, I love limousines. You know, my friends and I, we rent one, we drive around, we have so much fun. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? And I'd be like, what are you talking about? So supposedly for uh, people that, like, that are into agricultural, this is a limousine. It's, it's a cattle, or it's like a cattle or something. Anyway, um, they would say, and they, they said this. This is, this is not a joke right now. They would say, sometimes we shoot our dinner from our kitchen window. They said that. They said they would like pop something and then they would like cook it and eat it. I was, I just sat there in shock. 
And then I said, sometimes our kids, and this is true too, I said, sometimes our kids order Panda Express and have Uber Eats deliver it to our front door. Anyway, they were just like, what? Two totally different worlds. Even for me, honestly, I can't even put um, a worm on a hook. Like I gag, I get dizzy. There's like that white stuff that comes. I mean, I can't fish. I can't do anything like that. It's all slimy. Um, I need to have a Starbucks within one mile of me at all times or I get anxious. Anyway, there are hunters and gatherers and then there's me. I'm more of a Chipotle kind of person. Anyway, so suburbs and agricultural lifestyle, farming, livestock, totally different. Today, we're going to be reading about a farmer sowing. And not like this kind of sowing, but like, like that kind of sowing. I think that's what they do. I'm not sure. But sowing seeds on different types of soil. So let's read Matthew 13 through through 8. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. I love the words of Jesus. The parable is so simple, yet so deep and profound. The seeds are thrown on four types of soil, and only one produces fruit. The seed is the gospel. It's God's word. The soil is the condition of our heart. The crop or the fruit are the choices and actions after hearing the gospel. It's our response to the gospel. This morning, I'm only going to focus on the fourth soil, the one that produces a crop. So number one, prepare. What kind of soil are you? Hard path, rocky, thorny, or fertile? Where is your heart? The soil in each condition received seed, but only one produced quality fruit. It's easy to tell where your heart is because it'll be clearly evident by your actions. Imagine the seed that fell on good soil. It produced a huge crop, a tree with lots of fruit, like branches and leaves and roots. And, and I've got to throw out my favorite fruit here, um, pomegranates. I don't know if any of, you, any of you guys eat pomegranates. I love them. I like the webbing and I take it out and I put it in a cup and I eat it and just the juice, it's so flavorful. Anyway, and it's a biblical fruit too. Anyway, I love pomegranates, big red juicy pomegranates. They would be everywhere, right? You, you can see the fruit. When your heart is right with God, you can see the fruit. When the condition of the soil is right, you can't help but to grow. When you put a seed in the ground, fertilize it, water it, weed it, make sure it gets sun, it will grow. You can't stop it. It does what it was designed to do. When the conditions of the soil are right, the seed will grow and ultimately produce a crop. My daughter Gianna she has a green thumb, and she, like, every day, she, like, 
checks our flowers and she waters them and weeds them or whatever. That's not my job. Um, I hate yard work. I'd rather be at Disneyland on the it's a small world after after all ride, you know, 24 hours straight, uh, than to pull one weed. I mean, that's how much I don't like yard work or whatever it's called. Anyway, she cares and she makes sure that they have the best chance of growing. It takes work, time, effort, energy. What if we took that same care with our hearts? With our hearts. She cares and makes sure that they have the best chance of growing. The logic goes, if you are not producing a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown, the seed did not fall on good soil. The words of Jesus are sharp and they cut. So how do we prepare our hearts? For me, last year, I had a New Year's resolution and I did this every single day, all day long, morning, night, dinner, all, every, all day. But I would recite the Lord's Prayer. You know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know, I would say that all day long, every day. And it helped with the condition of my heart. It turned my heart towards him and towards the eternal. I noticed that being in nature refreshes my soul and my heart too. Yesterday, I took a walk at um, Lair of the Bear right up uh, Morrison. Oh, I love that place. When I talked to Emily Gothier the other day, she gets up around four o'clock every morning during the school year so she can spend time with God. I'm not sure about you, but we need to make sure that we prepare our hearts for his message, for his love, for his direction. We have to prepare our hearts. The soil is important. Number two, produce. Now, not like produce. Well, I mean, I guess that might work too, but it's produce. You are who you are, not by chance. You are not a mistake. You are God's masterpiece. You are one of a kind. You're special. Don't forget that your passions, the things you're good at, your personality, even your struggles, uh, your maker had a plan and purpose in creating and designing you. Each and every single one of you, each and every single one of us. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God loves us. God loves us. God saved us. There's nothing that we can do Nothing that we can do that will make God love us more. We are saved through faith, period. It is a gift. We cannot, we can't work our way into heaven. We all know that. With all that said, though, there's the other side of the same coin. You flip that coin, there's the other side of the same coin. But we have been created to do good works that he had prepared in advance for us to do. Are we producing fruit? Are we producing a crop? Are we doing the good works that he prepared for us? We often live like our time on earth is forever. We focus on the things of now rather than the things that matter to God. Our time here is limited and yet there's so much work to be done. 
We get so focused on now that we forget about forever. In the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's bring what's up there down here now, God through us. Can I get an amen? amen? I think I could be a Southern preacher. Like that felt, that kind of felt kind of good. You know, maybe I could do that. Roll Tide. I don't know what that means, but Roll Tide. Anyway, sometimes our life, you know, it gets, it gets repetitious. It gets boring. It gets monotonous. We get lost. We get down on life. We get depressed. The best way, I think, to live a fulfilled content life, to, to break out of that rut that sometimes, and that we all fall into, right? Is when our gifts and our talents and our abilities and our passions and our faith and our purpose all line up together for God, all line up together for advancing his kingdom. When we are doing his work, I think when we live out God's plan for lives is when we're happiest when we, when we feel content, when we have that fulfilled life that we also want, when we lose our way, let's look to God's way. So what are your gifts, talents, abilities? How are you using to advance God's kingdom? The fruit in our lives, what we do matters to God and has an eternal impact. Imagine if Brett Gothier didn't ask me to play video games after school Back in 1994, that's right, I'm old, 1994, I'm old. But Brett took a chance and invited me to hang out. And a year later, March 10th, 1995, I became a Christian. God has specific things he wants us to do. God has specific things that he wants you to do. He has something for 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 all of us to do here. He has something for all of us. Actually, let's turn to your neighbor and you can turn to the left, to the right, or if there's nobody right next to you, you can go to the back or the front, whatever you want to do. But turn to your neighbor and say, God has something for you to do. Say that right now. Southern preacher. Okay, that's good. I don't have enough time. So let's get busy now. All right? John already trimmed down my message so much. I don't have time. Okay. So let's, so let's get busy. Let's make sure our hearts are in the right place. Then let God grow us to the point where we can't help but to produce a crop. The Message Bible translation, where I know some of you are already like, oh, the, me the Message Bible, heresy. Anyway, I love the Message Bible. Reads in verse 8, um, some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. I love the wording of that translation. I love that. A harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Are you producing, producing a harvest? What's your thing and how are you using it for God? How are you making a difference in the world? Do you have four apples on your tree? I don't know if that's an apple tree. I, I just grabbed the first dead tree I could find. Sorry. Anyway, it, four, do you have four apples? There's not even four apples. I should have drawn some in or something. Anyway, do you have four apples on your tree? Or do you have 400? Let's live our life with no regrets. As this said, but not, oh, you can't see it. 
I was going to say not even one letter, but at the bottom it's spelled wrong. It's no regrets. Okay, anyway. Anyway, but let's live our life with no, no regrets. No regrets. Um, we want to get to the end. We don't want to get to the end of life thinking I should have or I could have or I didn't or why didn't I. Is God calling you to something? Then get after it. We honestly don't even know if we have tomorrow. If our heart's in the right place, we will have an urgency and power to live out God's calling in our lives today. I think we get lazy because we always think we have tomorrow, right? For me, grace I mean, it's the best gift. Grace is the best gift. I love grace. I try to have grace for myself and others. I'm glad God gives me grace. And you know, with grace, though, it's sometimes I've noticed that it makes me a little bit lazy. I'm saved. I'm done. I'm good. I can do whatever I want. I got this locked in. Mic drop, walk away. Like, I'm done. I'm good. Grace. I think at times we do the same thing with our marriage. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? We get married, then maybe we kind of stop talking or we don't pursue as much. Maybe, you know, less texting, maybe a little less complimenting. Maybe you stop going on dates. Maybe stop saying I love you, stop reassuring. You know, the chase is over. The wooing is stopped. You're like, I've got this locked in. Mic dropped. Anyway, the other day, Chelsea and I went to a movie and we both looked at each other and we were like, we have not been on a date, just the two of us, in a long time. Months and months. Anyway, but we get married and think we don't need to do anything anymore. Does this happen with our relationship with God? How do you react to grace? Fruitful means we are not only hearers, but doers. Grace can make us lazy or, or, or it can be a motivator and a catalyst for movement and deeds. When our hearts are set on this practical kind of waiting, God will surely guide us every step of the way. In fact, all sincere followers of Jesus will be given so much practical work to do that we will hardly have enough hours in the day. Jesus needs you, not your religion. We are the hands and feet of God. It's, it's not about what we don't do, but what, about what we do. What do you lose yourself in? I know for me when I'm counseling couples, when I'm doing marriage counseling, you know, 60 minutes, it feels like three minutes. I just love it. What do you lose yourself in and how are you using it for God? I love the phrase, action and waiting. Um, when we were about ready to have guests over, uh, Chelsea, my wife, I mean, she is a whirlwind. Chelsea can do like 90 things at like a time, because she wants the house to look right, she wants it to smell right, she wants the bathrooms clean, she wants the floor cleaned up, she wants the food to be just right, I mean, she wants everything to be just right. Um, we are waiting for our guests to come over, yet actively getting things ready. Maybe that's what we need to be doing down here, as we are waiting for his return, actively getting things ready, action in waiting. Are you in your sweet spot? Are you operating in a wheelhouse, in your wheelhouse and gifting? 
Maybe God is laying something on your heart right now. Listen to him. Listen. Do you think he will send you some big sign of what to do? Maybe. Sometimes he sends a subtle, maybe not so subtle messages. God whispered to the prophet Elijah in the cave, right? And he used a burning bush for Moses, blinding light for Paul on the road to Damascus. In each situation, God told them what to do. Is God giving you specific instructions? God is trying to use you to produce a, a harvest beyond your wildest dreams. Is God trying to grow more fruit on your tree? Is he telling you to do something? Listen and obey. What are we good at and how are we using it for God? Are you good at making money? Give it. Are you good at listening? Become a Stephen minister. Are you good at building? Build a house and whereas. Are you good at teaching? Help a Sunday school. Prayer? Pray for somebody. I don't know. Now, the, all these examples were church-related, but you could go through work and school, community, world, family. What are we doing in those areas? Life is too short and eternity is too long not to do something great for God's kingdom. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, okay. I'm just going to keep throwing that out. I kind of like that. Okay. Um, have you ever noticed an echo in your life where something keeps like popping up or keeps coming up in your life or where you keep seeing the, the same person, a, a certain message or a certain uh, a Bible verse, a song, or you have this kind of same reoccurring thoughts over and over and over again, those certain thoughts or promptings, listen and take notice of those echoes. Maybe God is trying to get your attention or to tell you or to show you something. Maybe he is tapping you on the shoulder. That's how fostering was with uh, my wife and I. My wife, uh, she felt called to be a CASA, which is a court-appointed um, special advocate for kids in the system. I was reading a book titled uh, Radical by David Platt. I was also reading the book of James, you know, about caring for orphans and widows. And then one day, I was at Starbucks on Kipling in Bellevue, and there was a poster about the collaborative foster care program. And I looked over, and a light was like shining on it, and it was like, You know, God spoke to me at Starbucks with a tall decaf zebra mocha, X-Chop, one pop of each, with whip, of course, in my hand. God spoke to me in that moment. I'm not sure it was God or the caffeine, but I, I finally heard his message loud and clear. We need to pay attention to those echoes. It might be God. Jesus he watches over us and is watching us. For me, sometimes I forget that Jesus is right here. Not, not that he has like a tally sheet or anything, but he is watching and he is, right, he is here right now and he's in us and he's all around us and he's, he's in everything and you know, Jesus is here. I used to run um, the work days at the church years ago with a lot of the high school kids and the junior high kids, you know, for, for the youth group so they could raise money for the youth trips and stuff like that. And when I was watching them, like if I was really watching them, they would work. I mean, they're, they're just getting after it, getting stuff done. And the second my phone rang, you know, and I turned my back to like, oh, yeah, 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 John, well, what's up? You know, and I would start talking or whatever. 
they would like stop, you know, they'd stop working, they'd be messing around, they'd be playing like snake on their cell phones, they'd yell, water fight, you know, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes I would even see a, a small kid sitting on a rock drinking a Red Bull, and I'd be like, Nathan Harrison, stop, like, get back to work, put that broom back in your hand, you know your mom said you can't have caffeine after two, you know, true story. Anyway, but... Uh, but they only worked or did something when I was actively watching them. Well, God is actively watching us and hopefully that motivates us or reminds us to do something. Reminds me of that bumper sticker, I don't know if you see it, where it says, Jesus is coming, look busy. And remember, this is important. What, was it up there? Oh gosh, I'm like, what's so funny? Can I get an amen? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. kidding. I didn't even say anything. Okay, oh, but this part's good, this part's good. Okay. So remember, and this is important, it's confusing, and it's all deep, it's deep at the same time. It's you, but it's not you. It's God through you. Fear is only a temporary motivator, and it, it should be out of our appreciation of his great love and grace for us that compels, that compels us to bear fruit beyond our wildest dreams. Number three, Personalize. For me, at times, I get stuck. I think I need to believe in Jesus more, that I don't believe enough, that if I could just have more faith in him. I've noticed at times that I don't even really believe in myself, um, and I start to think that others don't believe in me, or I have some family members that don't believe me. I know that's been really tough on me, too. But then I remember and I'm going, to word this, I'm going to word this a little different. But Jesus believes in me. Be- Jesus believes in me. Jesus believes in you. He believes I'm enough. He believes you are enough. He believes that you can live out his will. He believes you can be loved and produce a crop in this world. God believes that you are capable of doing amazing things through him. Amen. Yeah, God believes you can do amazing things through him. He believes in us. Instead of no, or maybe let's say yes and let's see God work through us. You have the power. We all have the power through the Holy Spirit, through Christ in us that was raised from the the dead to live out our calling. You don't have to do this or life on your own. God gives us confidence that we can succeed. You have what it takes to build a harvest beyond your wildest dreams. Jesus has faith in you. I think we choose God, but, you know, I know we choose God, but also God chooses us. He chose you for a reason chose you for a reason. Jesus said, we will even do greater things in days to come because the spirit lives in us. He believes that you can be like him. Is God stirring something on your heart? And the words of the Nike slogan, just do it. Just do it. For me, I think at times I feel good when I like, you know, bring a a, a neighbor a meal or I'm friendly to the clerk at the grocery store or let's just say I don't flip somebody off in traffic. I mean, like, I, I know small things are big things to God, but why don't I think big? 
Why don't I think that? Is fear holding me back? Am I being lazy? We need to think outside of the box. Think outside of our comfort zones. What's holding you back? We've got one shot here, down on earth. We've got one shot. And if we truly believe in the Bible, let's go. Let's set the bar high. Set it high. Why does a, what does a farmer do uh, with an apple tree that doesn't have any fruit on it? We all know that a tree that's not growing is dying. What's the point of faith that just makes us a little bit better? Jesus calls us, each and every single one of us, individually, to do great things. And we are called to be instruments of change. We are the ones here now. He is using us to bring love to the world. Ah, oh, I know the charismatic in the back is getting going now. All right. So quit second guessing yourself. And God, for me, I realize the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Sometimes I've noticed that I think, oh, somebody else will do it, or that's somebody else's job, or it's not that big of a deal, or sometimes I, uh, I think that it just means that, sorry, rewind. I think just the thought means something to God, right? Just like that thought that comes in, that, that whisper, and that just like when I, when I have that idea, that that means something to God. Sometimes I think I can't do everything, so I won't do anything. We always have time to do the things that we want to do. Can we ever really be too busy for God? Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. What is God calling you personally to do? And it may, well, it will most likely look different to you. I mean, there, there, there's fruit, like the fruits of the Spirit, but there's also fruit specific to you. We are not all apple trees. So, if we're not being fruitful, we need to ask God to change our hearts. The key here, the key is to hear, understand, receive it, and then bear fruit. There is great joy in heaven when, whenever someone does something for God. We have enough people who pray, who attend meetings and services, and more than enough people who argue about what they believe is right or wrong, but doers, heaven has not enough. And enthusiasm must burn in us, not merely to pick up some spiritual refreshment, but to do something for Christ, something that is right and true and that's done out of love. Jesus is not only going to renew the world through ideas, but through deeds and fruit, and he's going to use us. Flat out, Jesus wants followers, not admirers. If you want an easy and safe life, stay away from Jesus. A radical reward requires a radical life. Let's shoot for radical, not a little bit nicer or better. Thank you. You have what it takes, and Jesus believes in you. You have what it takes, and Jesus believes, believes in us. Last one, number four, persist. To persist means continuing firmly in a course of action in spite of difficulty or opposition. Christ was persistent. It's easy to see the fruit in your life. He cared so much for us that he did something. Not saying it was easy for him, right? Maybe he was even unsure or hesitant in the garden before his crucifixion. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. His fruit led to the salvation 
of all humankind. He not only showed us how to live, but he died for us. What are we willing to do for God? Don't give up. Living, living today a different way is not easy. It's, it's upside down. It's countercultural. It won't make sense to others, and there will be opposition. Sometimes things stop us or slow us down. Sometimes we get in the way. I, I, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I do suffer from a little anxiety. And I worry about what if, or I can't, or how, or won't have enough time, or what will people think, what will people think about me. I don't know. I love people's approval. But if it's God's will, it will work out according to his plan. So dream. All of us, we got to dream. Dream big. Don't hold back. We are capable of anything. Persist and push through those obstacles and barriers. Put yourself aside. God will open and close doors based on his will and plan. Reminds me of saying, don't never give up. Anyway, persist, persist. All right, I'm almost done, just a couple more pages. All right, so, oh, geez, the time, the time, okay. I was going as fast as I could, John. I'm sorry, I'm in trouble. Anyway, so if you ask people what, if you ask people, right, what are in their wildest dreams? Most people would respond, you know, a mansion, a pool, a million dollars, retire early, you know, golf every day, travel the world, have a body or hair like Ryan Long. You know, those are most people's dreams, right? That's their wildest dreams. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good. And I often live like, I often live like those things are the most important. I get stuck. I get sucked back in and I fight against what the world says is important. I lose sight of what truly matters. When I come back to my senses and my heart is right with God, my focus, my wish, my prayer is on producing a harvest beyond my wildest dreams. What if our wildest dreams lined up with God's wildest dreams? What if we were to pour ourselves out for God? If we want to live today a different way, first prepare your heart for God's love, word, direction, message. Second, Produce fruit. Third, personalize it to what God is specifically calling you to do. And fourth, persist. In fact, right now, I know God is asking you and directing you to do something. Something, something. Whether to get your heart right with God or something that he's always wanted you to do, something, something that you need to act on his prompting and leading, I want you to Pull out your bulletins or your cell phones right now. I know everybody in here has a bulletin or a cell phone. So grab them, grab them, pull them out. Piece of paper, cell phone, iPad, tablet, stone tablet, whatever you've got. Carve it in. I want you to write down or type in your phone right now. Pull out your bulletin and pen on your phone. Right? Open your heart and mind to his calling. Listen, write. What is he calling you to do? Something that you've always, that you keep hearing, those echoes, and, and, you, and you keep, he keeps whispering something on your heart, something to do, something to do for advancing God's kingdom that you know that's right there, but you've been hesitant. If you're not writing it down, think about something. Get your heart right back with God or to do something for him and his kingdom. Write something down. And later today, or maybe even the foyer right after church, 
Tell somebody close to you in their trust that can keep you accountable. Where is God leading you? So share your something with somebody. Let's have the worship team come up. I don't know where they're at. The worship team, oh, there you guys. Come on up here. Let me pray real quick. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for loving us. Father God, help us to be you in this world. Help us to be radical in our love and care for others. Give us the strength to change and be more like you. Give us the strength to follow you and live a different way. Father, help us to dream big and live out our mission. Thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray for all these things in his name. Amen.